you doing, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news stories and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we get to relive those moments in history with you right here on this podcast. Today, we will review the Pro Wrestling Spotlight show or pro wrestling this week as it was called uh back then on wnyg in babylon new york uh, this is the broadcast from august the 21st 1993 i'm in texas calling into the program from dallas as i was promoting an iwas show there i want to remind everybody that our patreon account is rocking um you know we're close to 600 different Pieces of content are up there now. Five bucks a month gets you in the door. And uh, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi. There are other levels uh, that you can participate in. And each time you are up in a level, you get more content and more bonuses. For example, our executive producer level, uh, you get a, you get an opportunity also to appear on, the, on this show several times a year. And today we're going to be bringing on one of those executive producers, our good friend, Anthony Pyrus. So go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi and check it out. Lots of content and more being added each and every week. So right now we'll get Marsh on the line here and bring him up so we can say hello to Mr. SummerSlam. Yeah, it was SummerSlam weekend. Always one of my favorites. You know, I did watch it. I wasn't initially going to, but I did, and uh, I thought there were some really good parts about it and some really not so good parts about it. I uh, I was very disappointed in the main event uh, yeah. with the bloodline because it seems like they're rehashing it again, and now was uh, you know Jay's brother turns on him, and it was just ridiculous. The Ronda Rousey match, also, I was expecting big things from that. And it turned out to be a snoozer and uh, looked like she was calling it in. And obviously, I think she's on her way out, which is sad. Uh, but, you know, good points, bad points. Um, yeah, so I definitely I, felt the main event was like swerve for swerve's take. And I was concerned early on that Shayna versus Ronda just might not translate well yeah. in a WWE environment. And I think it's really what it was. Like, they beat the crap out of each other, but in a way that WWE fan base and production just really not used to. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was what it was. You know, Mick Foley posted something really cool on Facebook today about Ronda and her reign in uh, the WWE, her time there. And uh, it's going to be sad to uh, see her leave because that's all indications are that she's leaving. Uh, But she did come in, you know, really like a firestorm and just lit it up and did so well when she first got into the Federation. But um, or you can't even call it a Federation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the fed to the cool kids entertainment online. so anyway i mean you know i did um, get to, I get a chance to see that um also uh you know other wrestling uh related news i guess is uh uh aew is getting closer to that big uh show in england that's going to be huge uh and you know let's uh let's bring on our executive producer one of the executive producers for our patreon account He's always in tune with what's going on in the business today as yeah. yesteryear. Anthony Paris, welcome again to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. John, it is always a 
pleasure, a thrill, an honor, and a privilege to be in your presence. Not so much Marsh, but you, yes, absolutely. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing really well. It's been busy time. Uh, lots of things going on uh, between this podcast and uh, also uh, another one of the podcasts that you listen to, The Gibby Show. So we were talking a little offline about that before. Marsh, you know I'm only kidding. I love you to death. Uh, John, the the Gibby the Gibby Show is as a baseball fan, it's must listen. I can't go without it, man. Congratulations on it. Oh yeah, it's doing really well. And John is up in Toronto this week because they're putting Jose Batista into their level of excellence, which is honoring uh, Blue Jays, uh, great Blue Jays in history. There's only 11 members in there. He'll be number 12. So we had Jose Batista on the show this week. Uh, and uh, Gibby will be joining him on the field. First time Gibby's going and, on the field uh, since he got uh, uh, since he left the organization in 2018. Oh, wow. So it'll be fun. And and for non baseball fans, having Jose Batista show up on your show is a huge get. This is that's a huge that's a huge interview. Haven't listened to it yet. I will do that probably in the next two days. But uh, Batista is was one of my favorite players of the last ten years. Yeah, the bat flip heard around the world in 2015, so uh, he's remembered for that, and he hit 54 home runs in 2010. He and Gibby are very, very close, and it's actually the second time Jose was on the show because he uh, was on back in October of last year, uh, but we also brought on one of the premier baseball analysts, uh, Ken Rosenthal, this week as well, yep. who is the senior baseball writer for The Atlantic, and of course he's on Fox uh, TV broadcast. He's the analyst who wears that bow tie uh he's the one that had that infamous uh confrontation with pete rose years ago but he's one of the smartest baseball analysts out there so we were able to uh talk baseball and i was even able to vent a little about the new york mets and Hmm. we had a discussion about how they dismantled the team and he called it revolutionary so uh he thought it was actually a good thing but anyway we're here to talk wrestling we're here to talk about what happened uh 30 years ago uh this week (laughs) August 21st, 1993, I was in Texas. Yeah, this was a really cool one. It was a call-in. Uh, Bruce Jacobs uh, taking over the, the mantle for you while you did it. Uh, I actually have just the opening, the full-on opening to, to hear how it went to get going uh, as the first clip. Uh, and you have Donnie with you out there in Texas as well. I did take Donnie with me, yes. Okay, welcome to the program, everybody. And as you can tell, this is not the voice of one John Rizzi. This is his producer, Bruce Jacobs, sitting in in New York. But, of course, we will have the man, John. He is in Dallas, Texas today with the IWAS, as the IWAS lands in Texas for the first show in the United States. So John will be calling in in just a couple of minutes, and we will hear from him in Dallas, Texas, live, where the IWAS will have a big card tonight. Uh, also, along with John, Don Liable is also in Dallas, Texas. His capsule will be coming up in just a couple of minutes. And uh, we will be able to take your calls today at 661-1440. At 661-1440, we will take calls a little bit later on in the program. John hoping to line up some guests. However, most people will fly in for the show today. And uh, I know John was very happy about that. Uh, so don't forget, a little bit later on today, we will be able to take your calls at 661 661- 1440 and hopefully John is with us now 
He should be on the line straight from Dallas, Texas. Let's test it out and see if we uh, are a go. John, are you there? Yo, Bruce. It works. What's happening? John, we have upgraded the phone system here at this lavish studio, and uh, believe it or not, we will be able to take calls while we have you on the phone line. Just Boy, a that would be, that's something else, Bruce. I really must commend you on um, the efforts that you've put into this and, of course, the staff at WNYG for uh, making this all possible. Yeah, well, you know, it's that big merger between AT&T and Cellular One. I think we had some, we fell in the middle somewhere, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah? <laughs> so it's happening up in uh, New York. It is a beautiful day. It's a, uh, what I would call an 80-36 day. You know what that is, right? An 86 golf day? That's uh, 80 degrees and 36 holes. That's right. That's correct. It's a beautiful day, and uh, everything else is uh, pretty much a standard status quo. How's uh, things going in Dallas so far? Well, it's very hot as far as weather-wise, first of all. And, uh, How about wrestling-wise? Wrestling-wise, pretty hot here in town. Uh, last night uh, at the Sportatorium, I had the opportunity to see the Global Wrestling Federation in action. I haven't been in the building in Sportatorium in about, wow, 15 years. That was the last time I was uh, down here for a wrestling match. Uh, but I'm joined here also by Don Liable. Don, are you there? Sam, John, and uh, as you were saying, the Sportatorium certainly uh, been around a while and a lot of history in that building. Oh, yeah. Big history in that building. And, uh, of course, we're here tonight uh, for International Wrestling All-Stars' first show here in the U.S. And a star-studded card is lined up for the fans of Dallas. Yeah. I sounded tired. I thought the same thing. This was the morning show, though, right? First thing this week was early. Yeah, it was early, and uh, then you know you lose the hour because it was central, and I was out late the night before. Sensational <laughs> Sherry uh, was hanging out with me for three days. Uh, we did a lot of radio interviews together, and uh, oh, yeah. did, did a little partying, and um, and you know when you're around Donnie, Donnie doesn't like to sleep anyway, so um, uh, so it was. Uh, I was definitely tired, and I was very concerned about the uh, advance ticket wise was this the show you were talking john about they only sold about because they were giving out free tickets to global you were worried about the paid attendance absolutely and our advance was you know a couple of hundred mm-hmm. and a five thousand seater yeah global was giving away a lot at the time flooding they were flooding um the market with tickets and you know the guy that's uh, in my main event jake the snake roberts of course appears uh, for global the night before so that's always nice of him Jeez, <laughs> getting that extra payday i bet huh yeah yeah so it was a, it was a whirlwind it really was i mean we did our rounds and scott putsky was in town too and he did some radio re- interviews with us we were really pushing it hard and, and i think one of the problems uh which we'll get into i mean but the promoter uh, really advertise mostly on on um, on urban radio stations. So she her her marketing was directed towards uh, uh, the urban audience rather than uh, you know traditionally country or rock stations that would uh, lend itself to that demographic. But the the market had been dead anyway. Dallas had been dead. Do you think you would have been better served going to Houston or San Antonio or because I look, I knew what the sportatorium meant, but I knew world class was dead. 
And when you told me that GWF ran the night before, I was amazed that GWF was even still in business at that point. Yeah. Do you think you'd have been better off served going somewhere else in Texas? Uh, probably, but this was a situation where the agency I was working with, uh, out of New Jersey, the same agency that sold the IWAS international tour, uh, this was a sold show. So this was mm -hmm. a promoter in, in Texas that bought the show and she bought it for $30,000. Uh, so that was, that's, that's what the number was that she paid for the show. Um, so we booked a you know a pretty stacked card mm -hmm. uh and we did what we could to promote it uh and um i got blasted by a lot of the sheets because uh they were saying i shouldn't have t i shouldn't have taken the show i should have just not mm -hmm. I sh my agent should have refused the money and not do a show once the ticket sales were bad to just pull out of the show altogether uh that would have been her prerogative because we we had gotten our we had gotten our 50% deposit, you know, obviously weeks before yeah. we got there so I could pay the wrestlers deposits and buy airfares. Um, but what are the sheets? What was their theory? Was to never have done any of it at all or to, to pull not have even gone? Shouldn't okay. have taken the girl's money, uh, the promoter's money. She was a new promoter. Um, she wanted to run wrestling. Uh, what and, did she do? Uh, she had several businesses there. That were kind of um, uh, learning more about her uh, when I met her, and she was a really nice woman. But she ran uh, uh, beauty salons, and so I, you know, I don't know what what wild hair got her, her ass that she wanted to promote pro wrestling. What were you supposed to do? Say no? No, I don't. I don't want your money. No, I don't want to promote wrestling. Well, and this is like his new thing. He's got all these mm. titles made. He just came back from Southeast Asia. Needs to be in America. Yep. Here's someone paying for a show. You'd be dumb not to at least try. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's the way the agency ran. It wasn't like we were traditionally like WWF or WCW. I mean, these this was a different way of doing shows in the United States by having promoters actually reach out and buy because that you know we were just part of the roster of world entertainment associates was the name of the company who featured you know acts like the peking circus and all these touring acts that that they take internationally and he also worked with legacy artists like jose feliciano and and others you know a lot of heritage acts so he was a an agent that worked with uh with with acts and with venues all over the world this might be wanted to do wrestling. Yeah, this might be a, a. This is a weird question to ask because you said that I don't believe I kept the word the verbiage in there in the clips because you'd mentioned the urban radio stations and you said specifically that there were black marketed stations and Mexican marketed stations that was the thing. Was do you know if her businesses were in those communities? Like, is they that were. they were? They were okay, mm -hmm. and so she just thought that she would just add it to basically her circle of of already advertising yes yes and it just didn't work no huh but i got <laughs> i got uh i got a, a my ass <laughs> i got i got a new one uh in the sheets the following week because of the show all right uh well you did go over the card and you mentioned all the stuff that was going to be on it you <laughs> did say that uh that uh gwf was a really fun show at the sportatorium uh and then you put Donnie on because he's going to give a recount of things that are going on 
And it's a little bit of a longer clip. This is longer than normal. I actually want to say it's closer to like six, seven minutes. Okay. But Donnie really gives a lot of a lot of stuff here that I thought was just really good. Excellent. Yeah, thank you, John. And uh, good morning, Bruce. And uh, a, sort of a personal note for you, Bruce. I know you're a big baseball fan. And uh, coming into to the hotel from the airport, we went by Arlington Stadium where the Texas Rangers play. And right next to it, they're building a new stadium for the Rangers. And it is, to me anyway, it looks like an exact carbon copy of Camden Yards in Baltimore. Really nice-looking place and, and has the old-time uh, uh, atmosphere around. And also, um, the way to the Sportatorium yesterday, we went by the Book Depository, of course, where uh, uh, the shooting took place of uh, President Kennedy and uh, really gave all of us a little chill there. Very historic. But as John said, it was a heck of a night last night at the Sportatorium. That was the first time I had been there. Uh, it was television taping, as they do every Friday. And uh, there seems to be an upbeat uh, feeling amongst the GWF personnel because now, uh, from noon to one on Saturdays, they've landed a, a contract, from what we understand, for at least three months on KTVT Channel 11, which is their a super station around here. Uh, the owner of, of the, the promotion, uh, Gray Pearson, um, not what you expect with a lot of promoters where they're running around during the shows, more or less sat in a box as if it, in a sportatorium, such as in baseball, a box w with box seats and whatnot, and just taking things rather lightly. Um, they had about 2,000 people at last count as they were still coming in. They had about 2,000 people, uh, about 100 of those paid. Uh, but they certainly make up for it uh, with the concessions. I mean, they, you couldn't find a place to park there. They come by literally by the pickup truck loads of people. Um, it's a very old-fashioned atmosphere. You don't have no foam fingers being sold, no $20 T-shirts. Uh, you have your cotton candy, your popcorn, and they have a table uh, selling 8 by 10 photographs at $4 a piece. Um, and that's about it. They do some Polaroids. We saw Chris Adams doing that with the... Uh, they have two intermissions. Uh, no air conditioning. This place is hot. Uh, some of the listeners that uh, may have gone on the, one of the bus trips to uh, Philadelphia, such as in the ECW arena, uh, if you know how hot it was there, it was just as hot here, if not more. Um, but it certainly has that old-time wrestling feeling, and the fans were definitely rabid. I mean, uh, when Jake Roberts came out, uh, they could have elected him mayor. Uh, they were they popped for Jake, but a couple other side notes before getting into the matches. Uh, Tony Adams, who has been managing uh, uh, Iceman King Parsons uh, here for a number of weeks, uh, no longer here. She's in uh, the USWA full-time. Uh, there was talk, I, I remember reading in the newsletters, about Bill Mercer. Uh, uh, many people may remember years ago in Dallas for WCCW, he was the voice of the Von Erich wrestling shows. Uh, he was not there. Doyle King, the regular announcer, was, and, and for each match, they shuffle in one of the wrestlers to handle the color. Uh, speaking of color, one of the funniest guys uh, that I enjoyed the match is Cousin Wilbur. Um, there was a fella in the uh, NWA back in, in the, the later 80s using the, basically the same name, and this fella comes in the ring with a pig, and uh, we remember seeing a dog with uh, Davy Boy Smith, but this pig is over big time. Everybody in the building screams E-I-E-I-O when this guy comes. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, I'm telling you. But not a whole lot of uh, gimmick uh, ideas in the ring. or, or um, it, it is, It's a wrestling atmosphere, and that's the best way I could describe it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. The main event, uh, Jake Roberts and Killer Tim Brooks. And the Killer Brooks has been around for about uh, 30 years in the business. He and Jake, and Jake had a white snake with him that kept 
popping out of the bag uh, during his match. Uh, the place was just incredibly, uh, it went on about 10.30, it was the last match, and the place just went berserk for Jake Roberts, and uh, certainly everybody went home uh, happy. Uh, there was a, a title change of sorts. Um, uh, in, a, in one of the matches, it's a big feud that's been going on with the, in Global for a while now, Chris Adams, um, involving Adams and Ice Making Parsons in the California Stud Rod Price. Now, Adams and uh, Price had a match. Um, during that, uh, the California Stud uh, slugged the referee who went down. Uh, he hit the referee a couple times. Uh, they had a run-in. Uh, the guys uh, couldn't be separated. Uh, somebody came in a ring they said was an official of the Global Wrestling Federation, and they stripped uh, the California stud of his North American belt. Um, next week, uh, next Friday night, they were going to have a match between Adams and Iceman King Parsons, uh, claiming they are the two top contenders for the belt. There's a good chance that uh, Rod Price is going to Japan, as he frequently does, <clears throat> excuse me, for the uh, network of wrestling run by uh, Sakurada, so he won't be around. So uh, Iceman King Parsons... And uh, Rod uh, and uh, Chris Adams are going to have a match, and the winner gets the North American belt on that. One other angle, Action Jackson, who, by the way, uh, for the record books, he's the guy that trained The Undertaker. Uh, he got stretched off in a match. Uh, a newcomer, I believe his name was Terry Norris, and all this will be on television. Uh, I know we get it on New York Sports Channel on Sundays at uh, 5 o'clock. Uh, I believe his name was Terry Norris. He came in and... Uh, Destroyed Action Jackson. He got stretched off, and believe Norris is a trainee of Ivan Putsky. Uh, so that was another big angle I shot. Also on a card was Coco Beware. Uh, as John was saying, Sherry Martell is in town. She was there, had a nice reception. And it above the dressing rooms in a sportatorium, they have a place called the Cage. There's no lights in there, and the stairs, the world, there are no stairs, but the floor goes down on an angle as if you feel you're going to fall. And that's where most of the wrestlers watch uh, the matches when they're not in the ring. And you get a pretty good view. And it, it's just, as I said, an old-time uh, um, atmosphere from the, from the building, a lot of history. You walk in, you know, the Von Erichs did so much there uh, for years. In fact, last night before we left, we, uh, myself and another fellow stopped in Fritz Von Erich's uh, former office in the building. And there wasn't even a chair in there. I mean, it was totally stripped out. But uh, as a longtime wrestling fan, uh, I certainly enjoyed being in the building, and Global, you know, it takes its shots from a lot of people as not being an exciting promotion or, or of one with a very limited budget, which they are. Uh, but I'll tell you something, the, the people go away happy. Uh, the only downside is they have to get the people to start paying for the tickets if they want to make some money. Uh, because, as I said, out of uh, over 2,000 people at, at last count when they were still coming in, only 100 people paid. John? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's quite true. You know, you can't keep giving the product away. I never really got into global uh, on television because it just it's maybe not high gloss. Some of the other things, and I just didn't get into the angles or whatever what they were doing. Two things: Do either of you know who Terry Norris became, or anything happened to him? Because I, I looked him up, that, like I was a boxer. I believe that was Ahmed Johnson. Really? Oh. I believe it was. I, I could be wrong, but I believe Terry Norris became Ahmed Johnson. Let me look up Ahmed Johnson and see where he started. Please do. But I'll tell you, uh, John, w while he's looking that up. Anthony Norris. So Tony Norris. That would make sense. Wow. Go ahead. Sorry. Giving, a, <laughs> giving away tickets has got to be death. Because once I've heard that once a territory, once fans are used to getting them for free, you cannot get them to pay. 
True. Yes. Very true. And I should have maybe done a little bit more research on the market. I wasn't aware that all that was going on on a week-to-week basis there. So, um, um, yeah. And then you're in the same same town, you know. And in, I will tell you this. In 1993, Dallas was – GWF was two years removed from ESPN because I was all about – daily GWF back in the early 90s and there's no way I was watching them in 93 and I was still in college. Yeah. I was still in college so I was not watching that week to week so they had already lost they had already lost their TV audience and it clearly from what you're saying they they had lost their paying audience. Yeah, it was a very depressed market for sure. Mm. As wrestling mm-hmm. was in general in 93 if you take a look at it I mean it weren't very you know, there wasn't it wasn't a boom period. Let's put it that way. But John, you did say something interesting that's piqued my interest. You said it had been fifteen years since you've been to the Sportatorium. So that means nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine. Seventy seven. Seventy seven. What was your experience like back then? Uh, in the seventies, it was great. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I was able to because uh, there was the WFIA Wrestling Fans International Association annual convention that year in seventy-seven was in Dallas, so we got a chance to go to the show, and there were just incredible talent there. That's where I saw Jimmy Snuka compete for the first time. Uh, Big John Stud was under a hood. Um, you know, some of the other names that I can recall off the top of my head. I mean, there, there was just so many. Mm there and i got so many pictures of that of that that i post on my socials uh, i put several of those po- uh, pictures of iron chic was there as well you know very young iron chic um got 78 probably had hair back then uh he had uh yeah he was yeah <laughs> he did yeah and you know ox baker was there mm. so uh vicky williams i remember being there with mula uh, so it was a, you know, that was, it was really good. It was just kind of being there and experiencing the history and being in the sportatorium was such a, uh, which right. is a legendary, uh, venue. God, I, w- I wish I'd gone just, I wish I'd gone just once. I wish yeah, I I'd mean, gone the, just once. Well, the whole experience was cool. I mean, when Donnie referenced also, uh, us, uh, going to, uh, Dealey Plaza, where JFK was assassinated. And of course I mentioned on this show before that JFK was one of my heroes growing up and um, just to be there and standing where that happened and, you know, going into the Texas school book depository. So it was kind of an interesting trip, you know, the little sightseeing that we're able to do and it kind of offset the, um, as they say in Italian, the agita, of uh, of of being in, involved in the show and all the drama that took place uh, with a show that almost didn't even happen because she didn't she didn't initially have the uh, the well, balance. I think you mentioned about a week ago she was trying to cancel the day of, correct? She was she because she didn't have you know she she was hoping for ticket sales they they weren't there. I had a crew of wrestlers there. I had, um, you know, uh, Kevin Sullivan's, the Conan's, the Mexican Minis, Jake, DDP, uh, the Putskis, Medusa, uh, Bob Orton, Greg Valentine. I had a loaded show, and everyone had gotten their deposits. And and it, and I don't know if we if we probably don't reference it because 
but Kevin Sullivan was the guy that sat this woman down with me and Donnie was right there as well, telling her that she had to find a way to get the money and pay everybody before the show. Cause we, we, I think you said it, it yeah. late because we didn't have the money and the fans were sitting there waiting for a show to start that we weren't going to, we weren't going to do until she came up with the balance. So it was, it was really heartbreaking for me. Uh, but you know, lo and behold, I mean, she leaves the building, comes back with cash and it was in the evening. So obviously, you know, what the risk was or whatever for her, you know, no one wants to lose, you know, she had to come up with 15 K cash that night. Um, and, um, and 1993 money, 15K in today's money would probably be at least maybe double that, right? Yeah. So, John, I'll ask, I'll, I will ask this question. At this point, you've been doing the Pro Wrestling Spotlight for almost five years. You've gotten into promoting. And I can hear it in your voice. You are exhausted with the radio mm-hmm. thing, trying to get sponsors, blah, blah, blah. Are you, do you have one foot out the door already? Kind of, I mean, but I was, I also had high hopes on AAA hmm. because the following week, you know, right, next week, right. next week's program is from that historic event in Los Angeles. And so you go from a, from one week where you're drawing a few hundred people and then the following Saturday, the following weekend, I'm in Los Angeles with a show that had 18,000 in the building and 8,000 people that couldn't get in outside you right yeah if god if this had been the la form you could have made more money yeah or or even running outdoors at the coliseum mm-hmm. we could have done you know we could have done a house that was uh thirty thousand maybe mm-hmm. yeah i get the impression that you thought this was just going to be a that this was an, a, an unfortunate step because Southeast Asia was so successful. You talk about it here in one of our next clips that your uh, uh, advances for LA are some of the biggest advances they've ever had. So this looked to be an, a, an outlier, not the mm-hmm. focus. So It I wasn't like- a be or end all, but as Anthony notes and points out, yeah, I was getting, I was getting really tired. At you had point. just, you had just lost EBD, right? Yeah. EBD was gone. Or it- was it? <laughs> Maybe and you wouldn't bother show. I don't even. But but I know you worked your butt off. Yeah. To get sponsorship and that and that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when 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 Holbro Paints pulled out of EVD and uh, Sheriff uh, Grimaldi, uh, and then you know even with NYG uh, and the bowling centers, when yep. when we had the you know Jake no showing the bowling centers to the events and that not drawing well and they pulled out the long island bullish association which was a major sponsor pulled out it was kind of like relying on lns comics and i i I had always grandfathered them in at the lowest rate possible i think they were paying 75 bucks a week uh which didn't cover the freight by any stretch i just i just know me everything you went through i am pulling out i am pulling out uh this beautiful head of hair to um you know, just out of frustration, you must have been absolutely, and I can, I can hear it in your voice. I can absolutely hear it in your voice, and pretty soon we're going to reset the clock, correct? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at even the future here for upcoming shows, uh, uh, you know, you got uh, the next one next week from 828, which is in Los Angeles. Then we come back with a 9-4-93 show at the NYG Wallhood and Barbarian. Uh, then we have another show in September. Then I really uh, don't know what happens, but we don't have another. You know, we really only have before we leave and I quit on the air. Uh, we right. have one, one, two, three, four, five shows, what, and, then, what and, then we, and then we and then we're off the air for eight months, and we come back in '94 uh, from August 28 till January, and then the show's over, and then we reset the clock again. That's right, but I'm 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 saying John Rizzi 1989 was full of P and V, but I can hear five years in how tired how frustrated you are with the fact that let's face it. You were a pioneer. Let's face it. You were, you were a big deal. 25, 30 years later, uh, your contribution to wrestling is finally being appreciated. But at the same time, back then it's like, I just want to get this show on the air and do what I can do for the business and maybe make a dollar in this. Mm -hmm. It's not working because, God, sponsors just didn't see the value in wrestling. No, and the payoffs for shows that you promote and the IWAS was a great, uh, you know, yep. was, was a great, nice chunk of money that you know sustains you for three three months, personally four months, whatever it was. And it, it uh, bugs it bugs me as a friend. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, that's that the way it was like back this. then. You know, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't getting a job with any national company. Uh, that was never in the cards for me. Um, but it was what it was, and it, it was kind of like I was almost doing it out of spite in a way to mm. prove people wrong that you can't make it. And I kept going at it. And what I really right. actually should have done back then was have a, a this should have been a little side gig for me, and I should have had a really good paying job in radio or something, you know, that I had the skill set to do, uh, but I didn't, but it was also, it was also a mindset of depression yep. and uh, all of that, it goes along with it. You know, it's just kind of, you get into this abyss and it's hard to get out of it. And it, you love, because you loved it. it. You loved what you were doing. You just saw, listen, I'm a, I'm an, I am a failed salesman. And I know what it's like to have that big account on the hook, but it just doesn't work out at the end. And it just, it killed me as I sure it killed you. Yeah. in this business it did, but you know, once I got out of it and once I really got out of it in 96, at the end of 96, my life turned and turned around dramatically, you know, forever. Uh, and again, I mean, he might be frustrated just because this is a failing show in the middle of a lot of otherwise successful things. It's just not going to look well yep. or feel well. Like this is frustrating. Right. He doesn't know if the show's going to happen. Frustration. And if you, do, yep. if you do talk about the Kevin Sullivan story, it would be after this episode because this is before the show happened. So Kevin Sullivan hasn't had to pull her aside yet. Yes, we had to. Um, we had to corral her. Yeah, and and the and the and we'll the most. It. Yeah, I guess. We'll see if next week you bring it up or not. If you explain how it went off uh, is what I'll be curious about. This is before Yeah, I haven't even uploaded the Los Angeles uh, show yet. 
Um, I do have a couple questions real quick. Uh, I thought it was really cool about Don mentioning you guys went to the, the stadium and the uh, the Daily Plaza. Um, was that your first time being there? Because you had said you'd been in Texas before. I, I, probably, I probably was at Daily Plaza uh, in 77 as well. I probably went there. Okay. Uh, is this Donnie's first time in Texas? I don't know. No. And I also was in Texas, uh, well, I guess way before that well, 1980 i uh, the baseball winter meetings were in oh. dallas and right. i went to the you know and went to the baseball winter meetings to be a job seeker um and uh that's where i got my job with the mets was okay. at the baseball which, winter meetings. which by the way john you've had the most interesting life of of anybody i've ever met if you haven't bought the book yet please go to amazon.com buy matt memories it's an amazing book of a guy who just hustled his butt off. That's my well, cheap plug. You're you're now my PR agent, my friend. <laughs> yeah. uh, two other little points too. I was wondering if you noticed. Uh, Don said that he went to uh, Fritz, Fritz von Erich. Fritz von Erichs. He said he went with somebody. Do you know who he was hanging out with? That he didn't want people to know he was hanging out with. Speaking of which, he's on the phone Donnie? right now. Yeah, Donnie, are you Donnie? Let's ask Donnie, him. are you there? <laughs> Donnie, are you there? Donnie, are you there? Yes. Uh, we're actually doing a. We're actually we were just talking about you because we're taping the podcast right now. Uh huh. So, Mark, we have a question for Don. I just I asked John a question about we're, you. We're, yeah, right we're covering. Uh, we're covering the um, <laughs> uh, the Dallas show. From 1993. Yes, a good mini bar. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I right. have two questions for you, Donnie. Was that your first time visiting the Grassy Knoll or Texas? Yes, that was that was exciting. And you know how I figured that out? We were walking the streets during the day, and it was stifling hot and humid, unbelievable. And we're we're crossing the street, and I look in the middle of the street. There's like a medallion. And immediately it clicked that the medallion said something like, on this spot, on such and such day, President John F. Kennedy was uh, assassinated or shot or something. I says, holy crap. I look up and there we are. We're in front of the, the book building in Daly Plaza. That was amazing. And then right at the Grassy Knoll, there was some person there selling newspapers or, or books or something about, you know, uh, conspiracy ideas about another shooter. And boy, I couldn't wait to to hide behind that grassy. You know, there was a little bush there and everything, and my fantasies took off on that. You know, for that day. But what a what an eye opener! It just hit me, and, and I looked on the ground, and there was a marker, and I said, "Holy crap! This is where I'm in Dilly Plaza." It was amazing. And then you were just we were just actually he was asking a question, and I didn't have the answer for because the yeah. night before the, the the night before the show, we went to uh, the sportatorium. You, me, and Sherry. Me, you, and Sherry. Okay, so okay. we went, and yeah. you and you went into Fritz von Erich's office, and you said there wasn't even a yeah. chair in there. So who did you go in that office with? That was Marsha's question. Yeah, it, it was empty. Um, but did you go in there with somebody? Uh, um, the only other person. No, I think it was just you, me, and Sherry. That day. okay? So it's so probably I mean, Sherry. It's probably yeah. Sherry. I I, just, I would have just meandered in there on my own because there was a show going on downstairs. 
I don't know who it, who it was or whatever, but that was just amazing to be in there and to be in Fritz's office like that. That uh, yeah. it was empty, completely empty. And then the night of the show, obviously, uh, you know, we had gotten a, our deposit in advance, and then uh, the woman who was promoting the show uh, didn't have the balance. And you were yes, there. You yeah. you were there um, when myself and Kevin. And yes. I believe her name was D for some reason. She had a company called Capri Promotions. And you were there yes, when we yes. actually sat down with her. And do you have any re yes. any memories of that? Well, uh, I can remember uh, it was uh, Nancy, yourself, uh, me and Kevin. And something I remember coming over and listening in that uh, they weren't going to pay because they thought that there wasn't enough uh, advance or anything like that. And we made a trip. And it was D, by the way. I do remember that. We made a trip uh, to the uh, Frito-Lay uh, building, which is based in, in Dallas. And that's where their offices were, I believe, because I think she worked for Frito-Lay. And um, I can remember when they weren't going to do that. And Kevin Sullivan was the one who turned that no into a yes, as far as I remember. Uh, he didn't give up. And... Um, this was at the, at the Sportatorium because it was kind of like in limbo what was going to happen. I remember going to Frito-Lay, and then we went back to the Sportatorium, and the show was on. Okay. And I, I, honestly, I don't remember much. About so we, we, actually, was... we actually ran the Sportatorium. Is that where we did this show? Yes. <laughs> I don't I don't even remember that. I mean, I, I mean my memory is so, so fogged. But we actually ran, I guess, a sportatorium. That as well. And then, of course, they had the freebies the night before with Global. So, you know, they were giving away tickets left yep. and right. So It's uh, in, it's yep. insane that I, I, want to, I wanted to go to the sportatorium so much. You promoted a show and don't remember. Didn't you remember? <laughs> I'm 99% I'm, I'm sure that, that, that we were there. We were there the night before. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and then... Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the show was there. That's the only place I remember being at. Yeah. Um, I know it's been a few years, but and and then I, you know, what else I remember distinctly? The night after the show, you, Kevin, Nancy, and I, we were walking the streets of Dallas. Nobody was around. We went into a sub shop, and uh, then we were just walking back to the hotel. It was just the four of us because I know I remember when she passed. I thought of that. That that was a very like an intimate moment where it was just the four of us talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and then at your convention, she said, when we were in the little office where you were and, and, and doing payoffs and all, she said to me, Danny, why are you always sweating around me? <laughs> hey, Nancy, look how you <laughs> look. What do you think? <laughs> um, but, yeah. And I went into the ring with Nancy and Sherry. They kind of had like a verbal. Uh, they did. Know, yeah. Uh, we argument. were building a little angle between them. Yeah, yeah, but I remember just how hot it was, and I think I was the most expensive plane ticket you had too. It was like six hundred something dollars back wow, then. Wow. Uh, but the the room was nice, and um, uh, nobody was there. Great, got my ass handed between the sheets the following week too. So that was that was that was fun. Uh, Half Dave Meltzer. But, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good show. I enjoyed my time. That's cool. And it went by fast. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin Sullivan was the one who, you know, said, uh, took a no to a yes. Yeah. And, and I think they worked for Frito-Lay. Yeah, I know she mistaken. had a couple of other 
entrepreneurial businesses. I think she had some beauty salons and some other businesses. And mm-hmm. what really surprised me, and I was just going, I was with the guys with Marsh and Anthony Pyrus, who's on the show, our executive producer on the Patreon uh, level. Uh, but we were talking uh, uh, about uh, how the show actually went on late because we didn't have our money. Yeah. yeah. And then she got her, got the money. And you had that pretty, didn't you have that same problem in Venezuela about getting paid? Um, well, the Venezuela we thing, paid. which we'll go over, you know, I don't know if we ever will cause we weren't on the air then, <laughs> but that was because, uh, you know, we bought plane tickets for beefcake and Neidhart and they didn't show up and they showed up for another promoter and there was another show and we were, we, we got fined for false advertising um, but I, you know, we, we did get our money Savoldi. there. Savoldi, right. Yeah, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, Anthony, and, and- Anthony was saying how, like, like, you know, <laughs> how, like my attitude and I'm just like, so down on the, you know, I'm tired. I, I sound tired. I can, he- I can hear it. I can hear it. I was getting sick of the business. Oh, my God. Bear- conventions alone. Your conventions, uh, yeah. Just a convention alone, man. There's just. Um, it was tough. Listen, you do your show. I'll yeah, it's good to talk to you. Time. Good to talk to you, Don. I talked to Steady Eddie before. And yeah, I, I want to hear all about it. He talked to my hero, Eddie Cranepool. Uh, Eddie's got a new book out. And of course, Donnie uh, did an hey, interview with him. News. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll talk to you tonight, John. You got it, my friend. Don Leibel joining us. I'll run in from Don Leibel. Jeepers, crow. <laughs> I love that. that was, Nothing makes me uh, happier than stuff like that. John, before John, before we continue, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. I know one of the big things about a year prior on the spotlight was the Booster Club. Yeah. I know people had sp- sent money. You gave them what they wanted. What point did you decide the Booster Club just wasn't going to be viable? Uh, I think it was really... It was this year in 93. It was. It was just... You know, yeah, you, you only have a limited audience. No one really mm-hmm. wants to hear anybody cry wolf every single week, um, and it just, uh, you know, it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, Booster Club members used to get into the conventions for free, and I mean, I, I gave them a lot of perks. I, you know, I would have absolutely bought a membership. If I, oh, I know you would have. If I had lived in Long Island, jeepers, cry! I would have, I would have bought that every yeah, day. Yeah, so send videotapes out to them, and they'd get T-shirts and. Uh, discounts on everything and you know it was kind of a it was kind of a way to try to raise money it was like it's almost like back then the GoFundMe, you know so please yeah, yeah. or it was like an old patreon or uh, a patreon right yeah so uh all right so we'll keep it moving um let me see after that okay this is where you talk about specifically the gwf giving away tickets you and Donnie talk a little bit about things happening right outside of the ring, effectively, as you guys are setting up. That was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember if we talked about it on air, but there's uh, definitely a story here that I know you have. Okay. I uh, got an opportunity to meet a lot of the wrestlers. I know all these guys down here are, are certainly looking for work. 
um, as you could attest to, Don, it was like besieged by everybody on the car, just it, throwing business cards and tapes and pictures at me. You know? It was it was as if John was honey and they were all the bees coming around. Yeah. One fellow was handing him several 8x10s, another one was writing down his phone number and address, another one had the videotape. And John, uh, one other fellow that uh, you got to meet, I'm sure, I know Sherry was very happy to finally meet him, her hero, as she said when she was watching wrestling as a youngster, uh, was uh, Skandor Akbar, very nice fellow, and... Uh, sort of a fixture down here in Dallas for many years. Yeah, as soon as he saw me, he goes, yeah, I remember you from the 70s when I was with Fred Blassie back in 1976. And it's like he reeled into this whole little speech and it was, mm-hmm. uh, brought back some memories of the old days. But uh, that's what's happening here in Dallas as far as Global Wrestling Federation. Uh, of course, our car tonight is at Fair Park Coliseum, which is about three or four miles from downtown. Uh, we'll be going there to check everything out later this afternoon. And, uh, of course, the show is tonight. And from here... I guess uh, tomorrow I get back into New York tomorrow night, and then Monday uh, I shoot right out to Los Angeles uh, because next weekend is the uh, uh, big shows in, in Los Angeles at the Sports Arena and on the 28th and on the 29th in San Diego at the Sports Arena. And just real happy to report to, uh, to everybody out there who may be interested that uh, the advance sale for tickets, uh, especially in Los Angeles, are, are just very, very good. The sports arena says it's the biggest advance they've had for professional wrestling there in many years. So we certainly hope uh, to draw a big, big crowd next week in Los Angeles for the joint AAA IWC wrestling promotion uh, that will be taking place there next Saturday night. Real exciting. Yeah, you were uh, bombarded by people with 8x10s and stuff. Yes, yeah, because, you know, they smell a new promoter in town and or trying to do some stuff, and the word about the international tour was uh, still prominent. So uh, a lot of people. I mean, that's where I met JBL for the first time because he uh, was a very polite young man, and he gave his prep kit. And just, oh, yeah, it was, that's the way it was there. Was it people from the GWF show? Yes. They were doing it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. What was his name back then? It Was, was it Justin Bradshaw? John Hawk. <laughs> I think it was Hawk he used. Yeah. I think it was Justin Hawk Bradshaw, yeah, to be honest. But I don't know if he was using that right before he went to WWF or that's just what they used when he used it. I, I, I remember him. I think it was just Hawk. There was no Bradshaw on the name. Just Hawk. It was just John Hawk, yeah. That's cool. Uh, which would make sense. He would use John Hawk and they would change it to Justin when he got to WWF. That was their, that was their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, interesting. You have the biggest advance in many years in L.A., coming up right after this that you can't seem to force people into the building the third largest gate of 1993 in all of wrestling under wrestlemania and summerslam was uh triple a yeah so neat uh let's see you do go through your summerslam predictions with you and don liable uh you and then you review clash of the champions uh with the reunion of the road warriors you think it's interesting because Animal's still on his Lloyds of London, so you're not sure. Donnie does say it was a really nice surprise because him being away from all the sheets and stuff, he didn't see anything leaked or didn't have any mm-hmm. idea it was going to happen, and he loves when he gets surprised like that. Uh, but then you go over what you think is going to be the most memorable moment of the entire Clash of the Champions, and I thought it was very interesting what you coined as to be the, the most memorable thing. Let's hear what Karnak had to say. But, of course, with all the good things, what is the one thing people are going to remember most about this show? And that was probably the all-time blooper 
of professional wrestling, and a, a, a tugboat was brought in, like Fred Ottman. Uh, they I guess they uh, they had a Flair for the Gold interview segment where Flair was interviewing Sting and Davy Boy Smith, and then uh, Colonel Parker and Sid uh, Vicious come to the uh, to the set. Uh, Sid starts screaming and yelling, uh, uh, challenging Davy Boy and Sting. And as they're getting into a confrontation, the lights go out, and uh, reminiscent of the black scorpion angle, which was uh, uh, something that probably turned off millions of fans to WCW, Ole Anderson decides to pull another trick out of his hat and introduce a new character, I guess, uh, almost like a Darth Vader type of uh, gimmick. But instead of... uh, the gimmick working properly, I guess, with this guy was Fred Ottman, uh, a tugboat with the new gimmick is supposed to break through a wall. He falls through the wall, falling on his, uh, how can I put it? But he just fell through the wall and his hood came off his head and he immediately put it on very fast. But it was a total joke. And then when he got up, then Oli's voice came out of the PA system, similar to the Black Scorpion angle, uh, talking like a Darth Vader character. And uh, from what I understand, I talked to Kevin Sullivan, uh, who talked to some of the uh, guys who were working the show, and he said the crowd just erupted. The live crowd erupted with laughter. They were just rolling and rolling on the on the floor. Uh, you couldn't indicate that for off the TV, but when they got back after that uh, bot segment back to Jesse Ventura, Ventura could not contain his laughter. So that's what people will remember most about the show, I think, is the um, illustrious and the, 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 the spectacular uh, blunder that Ole Anderson has committed, and hopefully it'll be something that will commit him to uh, unemployment lines in professional wrestling, because that ridiculous stuff has got to stop. Unbelievable. You Shock were right, master. John. Shockmaster. You were right. Yeah. You were right. That was the one thing people still remember <laughs> to this day. Yeah, it's still on YouTube, and I, he just fell through the wall, and his helmet came off, and it was such a freaking ridiculous angle, and it was hilarious to see. But, uh, but WCW, this was the era where WCW was trying to be WWF, WWE, and it, it they were failing miserably at trying to be the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bischoff was, you know, running the show and they were changing things up and they were recording at uh, uh, the TV studios months in advance. I mean, it was just kind of really just a horrible time period for for WCW. Yeah, uh, I do like it. A, a caller calls in later, calls him Shock Blaster because you guys can remember the name. But I mean, Rob Schamberger's done several drawings of Shockmaster. The Elite Figures line came out with an action figure where he's <laughs> upside down and backwards in the packaging. Um, How many times did this guy actually wrestle, though? Did he actually work? He, I think, he it never showed up again. That was the end of he, it, wasn't that it? Was that one, no, one no. He was in the War Games in September. He was he a. Was? He was a guy who was there for about six it. months. No. And yes, really? I swear I swear to God, he was well, there for at least. Your memory's least. better than me. I mean, I was, you know. He teamed up with Dustin Rhodes and the Nasty Boys to beat a whole, beat some heat of a Harlem Heat Sid Invader at, at uh, War Games in September wow. of 93. Wow. It was terrible. And I, I was talking to Bischoff a couple of weeks ago about that exact thing. And 
if God, he he Bischoff regrets nothing. But at the same time, he understands how bad that segment was. But he thought Fred Ottman could be a big player for WCW. Didn't happen. Yeah. Ninety three to ninety four. Easy, easy doesn't regret anything, man. Really? No. Nope. Man, brutal. But you were right. You were absolutely right. That is the most memorable part of the entire Clash of Champions. You do a read for LNS Comics, and you mentioned that you saw the new WWF Hasbro Ric Flair toy. It's the one where he's holding his arm out to do a thing. And you mentioned that you could not believe how skinny he was. That compared to all the other toys, he was very skinny. So I pulled up pictures of it, and oh, yeah, cool. it's noticeable. Yeah, on the YouTube <laughs> uh, version of this podcast, you'll be able to see that. And yep. I just actually, I even sent you a few pictures of uh, the IWAS show in Dallas that were in the Japanese magazine. Perfect. Um, Linda Rufu was the photographer there that on that day. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, and I think you even mentioned uh, Bruce asks Donnie if he's going to go to the LA show, and he said that not that he knew of as of yet. Did you? Right. Do you know if he ended up? Coming no, out he did not. not. He did okay. not. Uh, Bruce pulls the wrong ad on the way in, like the "Welcome Back to the Show." He tried to pull one, but it said um, "Welcome Back to WEVD." Oh, nice. And he goes, yeah, oops. And he goes, but it's not so bad because you guys are going to be back on WEVD on September 11th. So I don't know if you guys got any sponsor. You must have. But uh, you're between. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I you know, I, all the shows that have been uploaded are the ones that include this one. So uh, my next uh, uploading session will be tomorrow. So I'll, I guess I'll find out. We shall see. Uh, you guys did get into callers, as uh, Bruce let you know. You guys have a new phone system with caller ID. And it worked. Second delay. It worked. I was so impressed. Very nice. There was some mean feedback at a few times, but <laughs> you could hear Bruce shuffling trying to figure out how to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm because I asked you about it about the caller ID, and you go, "We didn't have caller ID. Well, not until now. Now you do." Uh, this is Gary from Baldwin, and he wants to ask you about that new Japanese promotion. He is Gary from Baldwin, and Gary, you're on the air with John. Go ahead. Hi, John. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Okay. Uh, what can you tell me about shoot wrestling in Japan? Was well, that the new promotion that uh, starting up? They've been really promoting it as uh, as it's real, you know. Uh, but I don't know too much about it to tell you the truth. Uh, uh, just what I've read in some of the newsletters, I certainly haven't seen any tapes of it as of yet. Yeah, uh, because there's a pay-per-view this Tuesday. Uh, is that going to be seen here, uh, seen in the New York area? Well, I can get it on the satellite. Oh, okay. Anybody with a dish can pick it up. You know what I would appreciate? I'd appreciate you, I'm sure you're going to be viewing it. Right. And giving us your opinions on it uh, when we get back or when we uh, call in from Los Angeles next week. Right. Uh, there's also, last a couple weeks ago in Broadcast Magazine, they have a full-page advertisement. It says, shoot wrestling, it's real, presented by Front Row Entertainment. Those are broadcast to, magazine, really? Yeah, uh, coming to pay-per-view from Osaka, Japan, October 5th. This will be the first UWFI shoot wrestling event, an exciting form of submission wrestling combining all the martial arts in an anything-goes contest of courage and conditioning broadcast in the United States. So they're saying that uh, that's going to air, I guess, uh, uh, in October? Well, there's going to be one... This is being advertised in October, uh, but there's one this Tuesday. Right, John, I believe uh, Big Van Vader's on that card yes. as well. Yes, that's right. Should be interesting. Yeah, I, I was just wondering. I appreciate, I appreciate the information. Is this real? 
Um, I mean, is it real? Because I it, don't think so. Yeah, because if it was, they'd have nobody to wrestle or, you know, well, they'd kill each other. Well, I'm sure it'll be real stiff, you know. So when you're saying it's real or not, uh, maybe outcomes will be predetermined uh, as uh, uh, the old Maeda group, the UWF. Uh, it certainly looked real and it had the entire country, Japan, because over there uh, they really uh, kayfabed it to, uh, to everybody out there. Uh, and they had the media and the fans believing uh, that it was uh, all, all a shoot. Uh, and I think that this company is probably going to do the same thing, and uh, that's the way they're marketing it. And uh, the way Veda works, you've seen them work, and the way uh, some of the other guys in Japan work, uh, this could go over, and it could be a, a great new concept. There might be something here for the States to pick up on. Yeah, well, that's what... Uh that's what the states try to do. That the, anyone promoting in the states have got to try to do something different um, in order to try to attract some of those uh, fans that are no longer watching and attract new fans who would look in and try to see something. You know, and uh, certainly I hope this is a precedent uh, that uh, could lead to some success. You know, John, uh, the one of the central figures with this promotion is Lou Fez. Um, he acts as a judge uh, during the matches, as a referee. And basically, as a, as a figurehead, uh, especially in Japan, where he's seen upon with much more respect and uh, for history of wrestling than he is in the States, and uh, I'm sure that's one face also that will, will get a lot of coverage during the event. I'm sure he will. Okay, Gary, thanks a lot for your call. Thank okay, you, Gary. Take, right take care. We'll talk to you. Bye. Good call. Yeah, Good I remember promotion. hearing about that. A lot of hype. Did you get into it? I didn't really say it. I remember the ads. That's about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It does seem like one of those trivia questions nowadays Mm -hmm. where every now and again it comes up in some sort of documentary thing or podcast and you go, what? (laughs) And you look it up. (laughs) Uh, You guys talk about how there's two magazines that just went out of business, but the tape had cut in between. So I don't know which two magazines those were, but you guys basically said how PWI and Aftermag seemed to be the only ones sticking around. And lost to history. Yeah. Uh, And then Pat from Hicksville calls in asking you about Asia. Mm -hmm. And I cut half of it off because you guys do talk for a while about Cactus Jack. When is he coming back? And it's kind of the same old, same old that he's going to start a thing with Vader. And, you know, and we talked more about Cactus in a little bit, but I thought it was really interesting as you talked about this new franchise that was just starting to pop up. And I thought, how 1993 is this? Hmm. <laughs> At least there, they uh, all understand English, I would hope, uh, fluently. Well, for the most part, but they say y'all here and howdy. And fixing. And we're fixing to, uh, fixing to go watch Rat one. All right, let's fix to take a phone call. We go back to the phones for John and Don. Hello, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Pat from Hicksville, John. Hey, how hey, you doing? Pat from Hicksville, how you doing? Oh, okay. Uh... This is the first chance I've gotten to listen to you. Uh, how was Asia? Asia was real good. Uh, I recognize your voice. You haven't called in for a while, but uh, Southeast Asia was, was great. And uh, we have another tour that will be coming up in November to uh, Hong Kong, India, Turkey. Uh, so uh, it was an interesting uh, time for us, a very, very exciting time. Uh, so uh, we had a good time. It was fun. And I think if it was the bar Hooters, I'm, I'm sure it was the one in Houston, not in Florida. Uh, no, this was actually, um, well, there's a franchise of these things to, uh, in the southeast, and uh, there's, I guess they're springing up in, in various different cities, but they got a great concept. And, uh, Doesn't uh, the GWF use them as uh Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, yes, 
You see, you see the Hooter girls on the GWF, and they were in, out in full force. You know, they they actually have on the, on the photo concession table uh, uh, pictures of the Hooter girls that guys buy. Now, I, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of this because, I, like I said, I don't watch Global. But uh, the first night that uh, we were in town, uh, myself and Sherry Martell and Scott Putsky uh, went down to Hooters, and uh, our waitress was just a knockout, real knockout of a girl. And uh, I'm utilizing her tonight in, uh, in between matches to, uh, uh, to uh, model our IWAS T-shirt and program. So she'll be working for us tonight. And uh, John, I'm, I'm drooling already thinking about it. <laughs> uh, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, as I told you earlier, before he got into wrestling, uh, a, place, uh, a place down near Miami, he's the manager who is now. Leaving a place like that and a job like that uh, to go to the AWA, I don't know about that. <laughs> I guess we get some of those Diamond Dallas girls, yeah. right? You, you, I do remember you. that. I do remember the Hooters girls. Yes, yeah. always, always, yeah. I thought it was neat. Like you never think about like how they just didn't exist for a long time. Like it's just in the small little area. It's popping up, and you're starting to utilize them as ring girls and stuff. Which, yeah, pretty neat. And it, to find out DDP owned one or managed one, I think you said. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense because you always talked about how you didn't know how he was getting all those girls all the time. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Hooters. I still, you know, I haven't gone to a Hooters in a long time. I used to take my nephew when he was just like eight, seven, eight years old, and, <laughs> and get all the, you know, because he was very personable and get all the girls take pictures with him. And so, yeah, I was trying to corrupt my young nephew at a very young age. Good man, good man, John. Oh yeah. But, yeah, I thought that was really neat. Right after that, we get Brian from Long Beach. Ooh. Which I think is a pretty neat one. Mm-hmm. So we'll play it. Is we'll that Brian Last? It's Brian Last, yes. Brian Last. And by the way, anybody trying to call in, uh, if the phone rings, uh, just let it ring. We will pick it up. And uh, we're uh, putting in a new phone system here with caller ID and uh, also uh, the seven-second delay. So that's why... Uh, we are experimenting. So you tonight, uh, today are guinea pigs out there. So we appreciate it. Oh, very good. It. We appreciate it. So uh, let's go back to the telephones right now. Let's see who we have on the air with us. And uh, hello, who's this? Hello, this is Brian from Long Beach. Brian, Brian how, how you doing? doing? You're on the phone with John and Don live in Texas. Yeah, I got two questions about the clash. Yeah, Brian. Um, first of all, with the Cactus Jack thing, did you notice how Tony Schiavone was trying, when he said, like, the last time we saw Cactus Jack and he just didn't finish the sentence, is it like... They're trying to phase out the search for Cactus Jack. Oh, of course they're trying to do that. That will not even be mentioned on future TV. Yeah, that was an embarrassing thing for them. And, of course, they think that we're all idiots and we're not going to remember what uh, stupidity they did. Uh, but uh, uh, they're not even mentioned. They try to just ignore their mistakes. Yeah, and um, with the tag team title match, did you see, like, all those bad moves they did, like how they screwed up? And at the end when they showed the slow motion ending where with Sir William hitting... Austin, they actually showed Austin missing Sir William by like three feet. In slow motion, no less. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't happen to catch that as well. Okay, thanks a lot, John. Thank All right, you. Brad, thank you very much thank for you, your call. Future broadcaster. Still complaining about people missing those hits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when he, when, he called, when he called in back then, he could have just said, hello again, friends. Yeah, right. And you are our friends. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, because the the reasons he calls in is so all over the place. It's either because he heard some rumor from somebody that's like deep out of the 
the dirt sheets that people shouldn't be talking about, or it's this, uh, hey, do you see how they did a bad thing on TV? <laughs> he was just, just learning. Need... He was just getting in. Eric from Brooklyn calls in. You guys are talking about the ticket sales, the marketing, the being strange in Texas, like we had talked about. Um, and they, he asked you if AAA was going to come to New York. He had heard about it and asked if you knew about it. And you're like, yeah, I'm involved in that. So you're going to hear more about it. Yeah. Um, you run some ads. The show goes off where you guys are talking about how uh, for the LA show, you're going to try and get George Napolitano out there. You have Japanese and Mexican magazines going to be out there to cover the whole thing, which you know is the magazine mm-hmm. you got there. Uh, Steve from West Hampton also goes on about asking what's going on with WCW and Ric Flair. And uh, Don says something before we play our last clip. He says something that was really interesting where he says he thinks the only thing that's left to get people to watch is WWF versus WCW. He goes some sort of dream match scenario or some sort of angle where they're fighting each other is the only thing that hasn't been done. He thinks would get people's attention. And when you think Mm -hmm. about it, that's really not a stretch from NWO. No, it's not. He was absolutely right. (laughs) He was. Yes. Yeah. Prolific. Uh, Prolific Don Liable. You might call in again if we say his name too many times. I know. It's like (laughs) a Beetlejuice. (laughs) It's like our candy man. (laughs) Look in the mirror. Say Don Liable three times. He'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I got this last clip here, which I thought was really interesting. So it's, it runs the end of an ad, and then I left the dead air because I, there's a few noises I hear, and I want to know if you think that's Bruce. Did he like leave the room and come running back in? Was he sneaking a cigarette or something? Because oh, no. there's just some some thumping around, and then this uh, very unique phone call. Okay. Call costs ninety nine cents per minute. Children under eighteen must have parents' permission. Okay, we are back. A quick commercial break. And uh, John and Don live in Texas. And uh, John, we have a little bit of a surprise caller for you right now. Yeah. Uh, hold on one second as we punch her up. Hello, you are on the air. Hi, John. Who's this? Who's this? Hey, it's my mom. <laughs> How, How are you? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing all right. Okay, you sound a little tired. I am, I am. You know how it is. I know. I was listening. I said, oh, I said, let me call him. Hello, Snooky. This is Donnie. Hi, Donnie. How are you? Very good. How's everything going? Everything's going well here. Uh, John's behaving himself quite well. I think so. (laughs) Okay, John. Okay, Mom. Listen, I'll talk to you later. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye, Mom. Take care. Okay. All right, we get them all on the air here for you, John. And uh, six six four. Where's my sister? Is she calling in too next? Uh, you probably you probably just signaled her. We might be hearing from her any minute. Six six one fourteen forty is the number. We have another oh nine minutes or so, and then after John, of course, Mickey B's jukebox review. The Prince of Rock and Roll. The Prince of Rock and Roll forty four waistline and all. I think it's down to forty three this week. However. Yeah, that was um, when I uploaded the show, and I heard that. I was like, I was jarred. It was, um, it was amazing for me to hear my mom's voice again after, you know, she, we, you know, I lost her in 2007. Um, and she was extremely nice on that, on that call. Moms always look out for us, don't they? Yeah. And, and I guess because she always worried about everything I did, 
Um, and the fact that I was not in New York and I was in Texas, this was her way of kind of checking in <laughs> to see if I was doing all right. Um, you know, my mom and wrestling, it was interesting. She, you know, she never pooed it or put me down for it. You know, even, um, back in the days when I was doing the Blassie fan club, I had to really beat up old typewriter and I was trying to convince my dad to get me a new typewriter. And he was like, eh, I don't want to, you know, he was just kind of no. And she was like, make sure I got it, you know? And, uh, so she always supported me and, and even the convention, she showed up at a few of those and some appearances, you know, Mick Foley, scared the shit out of her when she met him she was frightened my mom was just frightened about everything um and that's and what moms do yeah absolutely and uh i never forget she had kind of a crush on on um on cowboy bob because <laughs> <laughs> he sat down when we were going to southeast asia we were in the holding area jfk international airport and in our in our room that they designated for us, and he sat down next to her and had a conversation with her, and she was just she she lit up, you know, lit up. And another wrestling memory with my mom was uh, when I was involved with Herb Abrams, and uh, the apartment we we lived at, um, Herb was in town with uh, John Tolis, so uh, they came to pick me up because we we were doing a I was doing a promotion with Tolis and Nancy, and we were going to. GBB and her pulls up in a limo, knocks on the door, and John Tolis, and it's John Tolis and her baby was at my front door. And my mother just fell in love with John Tolis, too. She just thought he was amazingly handsome. John, how do you how do you spell wrestling? T-O-L-O-S. <laughs> so yeah, you know, she's had those experiences and um and uh so yeah, so, you know, she she got to meet Bruno and she got to meet a lot. But that was, that, you know, that was kind of like for me, you know, you get cold chills and I he heard her voice come out of the speakers and, and I'm like, holy smokes. I never remember her calling into the show before. Knowing you as I do, I know Mrs. Arezzi would have been very proud of her son today. Yeah. 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 She should. She should. And my dad, too. My dad, too. But the we're, only, we're uh... you and I are both mama's boys. So, yeah. Yeah. Luckily, luckily for me, Margaret Pyrus is still going strong. Yes, my mom would fight for me. I mean, uh, yep. I never forget this. this is another cool. St I know, you know, we're going to wrap it up soon. But I mean, I was delivering. It was 1969. I was 12. My first job, kind of regular job, was paperboy for Newsday on Long Island. Yep. You know, and and uh, I used to work my ass off and you know deliver the papers. And at the end of the route, you'd go back. And, you know, whatever leftovers there were, whatever you had, you turn them back in. And I had a manager in the office who, when I came in and he had, you know, he, he said, I'd like, you, you know, I want you to sweep the floor. And I was like, I just got done with my round. I'm, what? I'm not sweeping the floor. So uh, he was like, I really want you to sweep the floor. And I said, go sweep your own effing floor. And I was only 12. So I'm maybe disrespectful for an older guy. So he grabbed me and he like put pushed my head against the wall, right? So what did I do? I went home and told my mom. I was 12. And she got in the car <laughs> and went over there and proceeded to kick his ass. 
Sounds like you and my mom were made from the same cloth because I'll tell you, every, no matter what job I had, I came home from a hard day's work with a tuna fish sandwich and tomato soup and a glass of milk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, good memories. My mom was a special woman. I mean, uh, not everything was good. She had a lot of uh, problems uh, emotionally, mentally, whatever. But uh, to be able to hear her voice today after so, you know, after years, mm-hmm. um, unexpectedly i'm glad you got to hear that yeah it was kind of a cool thing i know there's no way you'd remember it but you can almost hear it in your voice a little bit there's a moment where you go hey it's my mom yeah and kind of start (laughs) laughing and there's almost this hesitancy of like what is she gonna say snooki that was her nickname her name was mary it's donnie she got her nickname from uh my grandfather um and uh, and if she liked you, you could call her Snooky. If you didn't like, if she didn't like you, she said, she said, call me Mary. She goes, my friends call me Snooky. That's funny. The only thing it's a bummer is she didn't call you by some little nickname or something. It was very much John. It was Johnny John, Boy. John. Johnny Boy. That's what no, she called you. Yeah. 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 She didn't do it on the air though. I was hoping no. for a little moment of yeah, something. Yeah, a little. She yeah, well, Johnny Boy was my nickname, and uh, and and that was that was the name I went by. From the family, it was always Johnny Boy. Yeah. Great, great hearing her voice. Yeah, yes. I loved it. And what a great voice, John! Like, <laughs> great, Johnny, come home. She didn't pepper it with any obscenities, which is good. No, I just thought it was so. She almost, you could almost animate her. She was such a little cartoon sounder sounding voice. There, it was so perfect. Oh, you, you, so you would have loved to have seen her and Cactus Jack interact, man. Oh. When when Mick would knock on the door and she'd like, I'm afraid of him. <laughs> you know, he was he's so John, nice, so nice to her. Probably bringing her John, flowers true, and everything. True story. My mother took me to a WWF house show in 1988. Ravishing Rick Rude came to the ring. I was trying to get my mother to go in the ring for that, a rude awakening, but oh, no such luck that night. No luck. Wow. You know, the special memories we have, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So great. But yeah, that's uh that was this show. It was uh episode two thirty, two ninety nine? Uh August twenty first, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, it was uh episode uh two thirty two. Two thirty two. Oh my numbers are off. Yeah, yeah, and your John, numbers are way off. They're skipping around. Are way off. I'm all over but the John, you're not even you're not even talking about SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. You've got so much going on, you're not even talking about the big SummerSlam show, which hopefully yeah. I can review for you soon. But yeah. um, they it's, did. It's in. They, they, it's Donnie insane. and him went through their predictions early on, and then they just moved on. But they just yeah, yeah, the we, card didn't, yeah. Their predictions. we didn't spend any significant time on it at all. Yeah. And what a disaster that turned out to be. Mm, yeah. No shock master. No shock master. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, next week's show we're from Los Angeles. I haven't heard it yet. We'll see what happens. I don't know if there's any guests or anything like that. I have no idea. I do remember we were at a wonderful hotel, the Bellage, and uh, on uh, Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood. So that was nice. It was very nice. And that was um, that was the weekend that. Uh, I did some hot oil wrestling. <laughs> Wait, you in we need video. We need video, John. I got a couple of pictures. No one will ever see them. We went to a hot oil wrestling. Jake the Snake Roberts, DDP, yeah, Ron yeah. Scholar, uh, and they paid for me 
to roll around in the oil with a couple of hot old women wrestlers. Did, Sounds uh, like my bachelor party. Did that end up in the book? It might have. <laughs> might be in the book. I, have, I, mean, I have the pictures, and it's just so horrific. <laughs> These women Come on, for patrons. They were, they were like, for patrons, five no, bucks no, 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 through no, the no. door. I was, I was topless, man. I mean, I had a, I had like a muumuu on. They couldn't find a pair of trunks that would fit me. Uh, so it was, uh, but it was, it was, you know, I said, fuck it. You know, I just did it and rolled <laughs> around fun, with buddy. Girls in oil <laughs> and Jake and, uh, DDP were just, they were rolling. They, it was incredible. They were laughing their asses off. It's crazy. <laughs> I think Conan was there too, actually. Wow. We should get him back on to see if he remembers it. Could tell the whole story of it. Mm. Well, that would be <laughs> it would be appropriate around this time to bring him on anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, but anyway, guys, it's great. Anthony, I know you have a, another assignment you have to do tonight. You'll be. Uh, yeah, tonight. tonight I'm, I'm covering AEW for your old friend Mike from College Point, Mike Johnson, PWInsider.com. I do the play by play. And then me and Corey Strode for the elite members of the uh, PWInsiderElite.com seg- section. We, uh, we do about an hour and a half post game show. There you go. You mean you're always active, uh, your support of this program and the efforts that we do. It's greatly appreciated. It's always, it's always a pleasure to have you on with us, my friend. John, an honor to be here. And again, everyone listen to this podcast who's not on Patreon, please. Five dollars. That like you said, that's two drinks at Starbucks in round now that Less it is than one, three. actually. You can't get a coffee for under six bucks anymore. Yeah. Starbucks. That's- that's two coffees and Dunkin' Donuts, guys. Five yeah. bucks, you get all the archives. And believe me, I think those archives are going to be big money soon uh, when we when we start over again. I cannot wait to go back to 1989 with you and Marsh. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have yeah. fun with it. It's going to be cool. All right, Anthony. Great to see you, my friend. Pleasure, as always. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Anthony Pyrus, our executive, one of the executive producers, and Joseph Holloway will be joining us in a couple of weeks. Um, I believe with the Warlord Barbarian show in the studios of WNYG. So that's going to be interesting. They're in the studios. They were with doing the, a promotion uh, at World's Gym. I booked them at World's Gym in West Babylon. So uh, we'll have them on. But uh, yeah, Marsh, interesting one, interesting show. Yeah, this one was neat. I mean, we've done a few remote ones. Uh, it's always nice to hear Bruce get a little bit more involved. He was in really high spirits in this one. Uh, it was just neat. It was really neat, the stuff that you were covering. And, and really, sometimes you do these remotes, and it's very much like very promotery. We're going to do this, and people come down to do this. This was very much more so, less promoting the event, and so much more so, this is what we're doing and what's happening, and this yeah. is the whole scene. Which in, I real, in real time, yeah, that's what's so cool about it. And it was kind of cool that I did uh, hear from Bruce Jacobs this week. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he's agreed uh, to come on. Um, we're gonna, he said that he, he wants to talk after uh, August 27th. He's going over on vacation. He's going okay. to Ireland. And, but I, I do want to do a dedicated show to him here marsh so uh yeah i think we could pull some really cool clips of bruce and we could tell some funny stories and he was there from the beginning to the end so uh and he was on the southeast asia trip 
Yeah, so he'll be there. It'll be a one-on-one with Bruce, and we'll play clips. And uh, I'm so happy that I heard from him, and uh, so we're happy about that. So anyway, before we wrap it up, uh, anything uh, on your end? What are you doing? Uh, Give us some uh, places people can find you. Give us a little recap of what's going on in Marsha's life right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm always here with you, Pro Wrestling Spotlight on youtube you can go to youtube.com for queen of carnage me and medusa we just did a two-part interview with lisa marie vaughn oh i was he- you know she was here medusa yeah, yeah in nashville i had dinner with her last week uh, yeah did you get did to you hear about that not much she told me she was in nashville she came back we recorded this she's on her way to canada now so we haven't had a ton of time to catch up about everything it was a while um, but i knew that she was going to be in nashville and i knew that you intended to see her did you guys yeah. end up staying out late uh, not really. I mean, it was, a, we got together at the Palm restaurant in Nashville at four o'clock. Uh, and she was there with her husband, Alan. He's great. And, yeah. What a great guy. My goodness. And then I had uh, another client of mine there who, um, uh, I, I got a book deal for, uh, non, uh, entertainment related. And yeah. she had a friend of hers with her as well. Um, they're real estate agents in Nashville and, and she wanted to meet Medusa because her life was kind of like Medusa's yeah. growing up. Yeah. Horrific. And she made it and she became this big real estate agent. So anyway, we all got together at the Palm and it got a little wild. That's cool. Alan and I were were uh, the most behaved. And Deborah was behaved as well. Medusa was behaved. So, uh, But the other two... <laughs> that's another story anyway i interrupted you uh what are you doing with her and you guys are with the queen of carnage so i'm sorry oh yeah no absolutely we just did a, an interview with uh lisa marie vaughn the former victoria or tara depending on where you like to watch her and i thought that was a really interesting interview mm-hmm. i didn't know that much about her her life and career so it was really cool to di- dive into that and then uh and speaking of dive in i mean about every every other week or so, me and uh, me and my buddies like to drink a little bit in the dive bar of the IWC. I call it, and uh, just talk about what's going on in wrestling and wrestling on the rocks. So, and you, and you did that over SummerSlam, right? You did one. We've of not hit the SummerSlam one yet, but I mean, by the time people hear this, we probably will have. Cool, but yeah, very cool. All right, always good to see you, Marsh, and um, we will be back next week with the big show from Los Angeles. Yeah, from thirty years ago. <laughs> that'll about wrap up this edition of john arizzi's pro wrestling spotlight uh join our groups uh wherever you may be perusing social media twitter at john arizzi instagram at john arizzi as well we have the john arizzi's matt memories uh page on facebook which is really good i just posted some pictures of el olympico greg valentine and a picture of me and Pee Wee herman actually got three thousand likes so um that was a shocker. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of fan engagement there. A lot of people communicate. That's our public page. There's a private group as well on Facebook. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And don't forget, become a patron. And that helps with the production cost for this show. And it's patreon.com slash John Arezzi. Also, check out the Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden podcast. Uh, that cover shows I went to 50 years ago. I'm an old son of a bitch for sure. Uh, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, co-hosted by Tim Putre, written and researched by Richie Garcia. 
the new show uh, was just recorded, and that will be released on uh, a week before August 30th. Uh, so uh, we're keeping busy with that as well. I always like to thank our producer and creative director, Marsh, each and every week. And thanks to Patreon executive producers, Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway. And for each and every one of the patrons for your support, helping with production costs for this show. Until next week, when we relive more history from Los Angeles from 30 years ago with the debut at AAA, this is John Arizzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.